blessed us and have kept us. So we, your people, on this first Sunday in 2017, say thank you. Now, God, we pray that you would anoint your preacher. For we are well aware of the fact that no preaching, a proclamation of spiritual significance can take place outside of your anointing. We understand that there can be showmanship in the pulpit and there can be entertainment in the pulpit. But aside from your hand on your preacher, nothing of spiritual impact or significance can be proclaimed. So God, we pray today that you would bless your preaching. Let it be preaching that confronts us. Preaching that challenges us. Preaching that ultimately changes us to be more in the image of Jesus. No God, when that happens, we will be careful to say not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name, be all glory, praise, and honor. For it is in the marvelous, magnificent, miracle, working name of Jesus, our victorious Christ, we pray, amen. Again, I want to say thank you so very much to the Good Hope Church family for you have been a phenomenal congregation. As I said last night, you're now heading towards 40 years of preaching. I have never been associated with such a fine congregation men and women and children who love the Lord like you love the Lord and who love each other although we're not perfect we love each other thank you again to our pastoral staff who has been you have been just remarkably supportive it's gotten to the point now, whenever I go away and come back, people say, we miss you, Pastor, but we went on without you. <laughs> Amen. Good preaching from the associate pastors. Good teaching. Thank you so much. And to our deacons, I can't say enough about you men of God who walk upright with integrity. And in a Today's climate, when you hear so much about preachers and deacons fighting and can't get along and tearing up God's church. I'm just so honored and grateful for you men who stand, first of all, for God. Stand with your families and stand with your pastor. And I want to tell each one of you, I think you already know this, that I love you deeply. It's an honor and a privilege to serve you and to walk with you in ministry 
And I not only call you deacons, but I can call each one of you my friend. And in the absence of our chairman, Deacon Granger, who's not feeling well, who's been a tremendous friend and supporter, not only to me and my family, but to this church. And I will forever be indebted to him and to you for what you have done for us. To all of our teachers and our leaders and our ushers, thank you so much for what you do, our greeters. And to our sound um, ministry, thank you so much. You provide an invaluable service to our church, our van drivers, our bus drivers, our finance committee that handles our finances with integrity. With integrity. And I want to let you know, with, with, with our finance uh, people uh, there, we don't have to worry because they love God and they love this church and they have been committed to do what's right with every penny that comes into the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And by the way, in 2017, you are debt-free for the second time. Your mortgage is paid off. Not one chicken dinner sold, not one fish sandwich sold, not one government dollar taken. It's been good hope, tithes, and offerings, and good, solid money management. And Sister Pickett and I are honored to be with you and just so grateful that God is allowing me to pastor one of his best churches and it's just tremendous anybody could pastors all over the world would love to be here at Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and yet God is allowing me and to serve my wife for us to serve and I want you to know today that we are grateful to you you are one of God's best churches From the book of Psalm 107, uh, I want to highlight a couple of verses and we'll talk about others as we make our way through this sermon today. The psalmist wrote, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I want to preach today from the subject Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, praising our King in 2017. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. We are here today praising our King in 2017. And that's my prayer that throughout the year we'll give thanks and we'll come into this place and not only in this sanctuary but everywhere we go and praise our king in the year 2017 and I believe if we do that God will do some remarkable things some revolutions will take place some things that the world will look at us and say that's just utterly ridiculous what God is doing Psalm 107 is a thanksgiving to the Lord for his great work of deliverance. There is strong evidence to support that this psalm was written after God delivered his people out of Babylonian exile. But be that as it may, whether it implicates deliverance from Babylon, Assyria, or elsewhere, the point the psalmist drives home is this, and that is God is good. 
And his people ought to say so. Verse 1 declares, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good by using the word. Oh, the psalmist is signaling his listeners that, 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 that this is not an appeal for a casual thanksgiving. Rather, this thanksgiving salutation should be overflowing with enthusiasm. When we say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, the psalmist says it ought to be with overflowing, bubbling over, almost uncontainable enthusiasm. This acknowledgement of thanks to God is not meant to be a casual gesture, but should be full of enthusiastic praise for God who has done so much for his people. You know, people do a lot of nice things for us that warrant a thank you. Somebody holds a door open for you, you ought to say thank you. Someone yields and allows you to change lanes in busy traffic, you ought to say thank you. The bagger carries your groceries to the car, that warrants a thank you. But what the psalmist is saying here is that there is no casual or lightheartedness about what God did for his people in Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. Therefore, the thanks they gave to God deserved their deepest level of enthusiastic praise. That's why he said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. That's different than telling the bagger thank you. That's different than telling somebody thank you for letting me in to change the lanes. That, that's different from saying thank you for opening the door. Now the psalmist identifies four distinct areas of God's goodness for which he encouraged the people to offer enthusiastic thanksgiving to God. First we see the provision of God. That is God providing for his people. Verses 4 through 5, the people wandered in the wilderness. It was a lonely place. It was a desolate place. In fact, it was a downright depressing place. They found no city, the Bible says, in which to dwell. No communities in which to get established no homes to call their own they were hungry and thirsty and their soul the bible says fainted in them meaning that they were overrun by grief and sorrow yet in verse 6 when they cried out to the lord he delivered them out of their distresses oh give thanks unto the lord for he is good God is good to us. He carefully, consistently, constantly, and compassionately provides for our every need. That's God's goodness. Not one of us here today in this sanctuary, not one of us can truthfully say that God has not fulfilled his promise to supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, one of us can say that. Or we can say that perhaps there were some things that we wanted that we did not get, some things that we desired to have that we did not get. But not one of us can sit up in here this morning and say to God, that God, you not did not give me everything I needed. For God supplies all 
of our needs. And some of the stuff we want, we don't get because God knows that we don't need Oh, thank God for not giving us all of the stuff that we want. How many of you would make the mistake of giving your children everything that they wanted? They don't need everything that they want. But as a parent, you look at them, you supply their needs, but not all of their wants. Indeed, it is God who supplies the food that we Eat. It is God who supplies the clothing that we wear. It is God who supplies the shelters in which we dwell. And out of his goodness, God gives us family and friends and a place to worship, gainful employment, recreation, and the like. He gives us all the things that we need. He gives us a great church to fellowship in. We need well, it's rough sometimes and tough and people go on jobs and are torn asunder. We need the church and God provides it. And you come here Sunday after Sunday and you hear an encouraging word and your, your title is brother or sister or whatever the case may be and you lift it up. That's because God is good. He's supplying your very need. There's not one of one need we have that God has not more than adequately supplied. These words of the hymnologists are more appropriate, most appropriate and applicable. The hymnologists pen, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changes not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou will always be. The chorus says, great, great, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, Jeremiah said, that morning by morning, new mercies. I see how many of you experience God's mercy today. You don't deserve it. Morning by morning, new mercies. I see all oh, the hymn writer wrote, all that I needed, God's hand. Everything that I need, God's hand has provided. Great. This ain't no small matter. Great. This is no minuscule matter. Great. This is no trivial matter. All that I needed. The mighty hand of God has provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. Sometimes family let us down. Sometimes friends let us down. They have good intentions, but God will never let us down. Great is thy faithfulness. The voice of the psalmist reverberates down through the corridors of time, encouraging us this first Sunday in 2017 to all give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and to praise our King. In 2017, second, we see the pardon of God. God pardoned his people. Verses 10 through 16 recounts how the people of God sat in darkness, in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons because of their rebellion against the word of the Lord. Verse 11 states, they despised 
asked the counsel of the Most High. Verse 12 states, they fell down and there was no help. But in verse 13, like the prodigal son, they came to their senses. If there anybody here today, you had fallen down, but thank God you came to your senses. Like the prodigal son, they thought to themselves, what am I doing in this dreadful, this depraved, this deplorable, this disgusting, this despicable place? If there anybody here got up one morning and asked you, what am I doing here? God did not make me for this. What am I doing in this place? Verse 13 says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And notice they brought trouble on themselves. But they cried out to the Lord. They were at fault for the trouble in their lives, but they cried out to the Lord. They did not try to pass the blame, duck the bullet, or dodge the ball, but they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 13 declares, and God saved them out of their distresses. Is there anybody here today you called out to God in your distress and God saved you? I love the song we sang sometime that says if he has to reach way down, Jesus will pick you up. And some of us, he had to reach way down. Some of us were so broken and disgusted, he had to reach way down. That's what God did, and God provided freedom for those held in captivity because of their own sins against him. Yet he brought them out of darkness into the marvelous light. He took the muzzles off their mouths so that they could sing again the chains off their wrists so that they could clap again. He took the shackles off their feet so that they could dance again. He put the joy back in their lives so that they could live again. Therefore, the psalmist admonished the people, since God has done all of that, all give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He has proven his goodness by pardoning you of your sins. Sometimes people of God wander away from God. I believe Roby Robinson and John Reth captures the proclivity of the human heart to wander away from God in the full standard of that old hymn of the church entitled, Come Thy Fount. Verse 4 says, Oh, to grace, how great a debt to daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, lack a felter, that means a chain, a rope, or something that holds something tightly together, bind my wandering heart to be prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it with thy coats above. I've heard it said sin will always take us further than we want to go. Keep us longer than we want to stay and cost more than we want to pay. But all oh, give thanks unto the Lord. 
I just want to say on this first Sunday in, uh, in 2017, give thanks unto the Lord for he has good. He is good. He has given us the remedy for our sin. Thank God he has given us the cure for our transgressions, our flops, our flounders, our failures. Thank God he has given us the antidote for the guilt and shame associated with our wilderness wanderings. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Surely he has borne our griefs, right, and carried our sorrows. Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for it is he who breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the captives free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avails for me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord Jesus, for it is he who gallantly suffered on Calvary's cross. Jesus graciously shed his blood to wash away all of our sin. Jesus gloriously got up from the grave on the third day Sunday morning with all power in his hand. And don't miss this. It is Jesus who guarantees that all who come to him, no matter how messed up they are, all who come to them, no matter what they have done, all who come to them, no matter where they have been, but all who come to him will find rest, relevance, reward, and rejoicing. That's Jesus for you. Oh, give thanks. On the first day, 2017, the words of the psalmist reverberate down the corridors of time, encouraging us to give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let's praise our king in 2017. Third, we see the passion of God. God was passionate towards his people. Can I tell you something? Can't nobody love you like the Lord loves you. Can't nobody love you like Jesus loves you. Verse 17 states, fools because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities were afflicted. The word fools in the text denotes those who were spiritually deficient in their decision-making processes. They are not unintelligent, but rebellious. It wasn't that they did not know right from wrong. It wasn't that they couldn't distinguish between good and evil. It wasn't that no prophet had admonished them to stay on the Lord's side, simply stating they had made a conscious effort like some folk do sometimes to rebel against the will of God. They made a deliberate choice to sidestep God's word. They made a willful intention in effect to reject God's way. So it was sin. Sin that did what sin has a tendency to do. Sin eventually took a toll upon the physical health of the people, so much so until food had no appeal and they drew near to the gate of death. That meant they were sick because of their sin. Now we know from scripture that all sickness is not related to personal sin. Such was the case of the man, you know the story in John chapter 9, who was born blind. The disciples came to Jesus one day in verse 2, chapter 9, and said, ask Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? But in verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Don't y'all get it twisted? It's not about his sin, but that the work 
of God should be revealed in him. But in today's text, the psalmist points his readers to a direct connection, correlation, contact between the sins of God's people and their physical suffering. The truth of this psalm is that they were sick because of sin. But thanks be to God. Verse 19 shines light into a dark place. The winds of fresh hope blow in verse 19. In verse 19, we see the goodness and the mercy of God. Verse 19 says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Is there anybody here who knows that when you cry out to the Lord in your trouble, the Lord will come and seal about you no matter how. How far down you have fallen when you cry out in honest sincerity to the Lord, he will come see about you. And verse 19 wraps it up, but in verse 20, he put a bow on it. In verse 19, God wraps up the gift, but in verse 20, God puts a, a bow on it. In verse 19, God delivered them from, get this now, their distress. But in verse 20, 20 he delivered them from their destruction. Verse 20 recounts, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. This is a picture of the passion of God, moving the portion of God to exercise the prerogative of God to heal his people. And let me put a footnote here. Don't you ever think that you're so sick that you're beyond God's healing? Don't you ever think that anything has happened to you in your life that God can't fix? God is in the miracle working business and whatever God wants to do, God can do. There ain't nothing broken that God cannot fix because he is God all by himself. And as we look around our world, we see people who are seriously afflicted. Some are suffering mental anguish. Some are struggling emotional with emotional abuse. Some are suffering the damage effects of drugs and alcohol and sexual misconduct. Some are even at the gate of death. Yet the words of the psalmist reminds us today and reminds us to tell them today that it ain't over until God says it's over. The words of the psalmist reminds us to tell them no matter who they are and what they're dealing with that there is hope. The words of the psalmist reminds us to tell them that God is able. Reminds us that God is passionate about his people. There is still hope in his word. There is still help in his word. There is still healing in his word. So give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means you ought to tell somebody. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The psalmist reminds us on this first Sunday in 2017 to lift up our voices and tell the Lord thank you and praise our king in 2017. Then lastly today, fourth point of the psalmist, we can see the protection of God. Maybe y'all as a people are fearful of what the future holds. But when you know your Bible and more important, when you know your God, you know you have the protection of God. We used to sing a song, uh, back, say, Jesus, build a fence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
depend on you. God has you surrounded. The only thing that can get in is what God allows. So the psalmist talks about the perfect protection of God. Verses 23 to 32 tells the story of mariners. These were sailors who were tossed to and fro on a tumultuous sea. Dark clouds have risen. Strong winds are blowing, bolsterous waves are battering and beating and bruising the tiny vessel. But wait a minute, there's still hope. When it seems like all hope is gone, there's still hope. When it seems like all help is gone, there's still hope. Wait a minute, there's hope. Then again, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storms. He calms the waves. The waves are still, the Bible says, then they are glad that they are quiet. So he guides them to their haven. Life is dangerous. We don't know from one moment to the next what will happen. We go to bed at night. We lock our doors and our windows. We set the alarm but we never know. We get into our cars. We buckle our seat belts. We drive as carefully as we can, but we never know. We send our children and grandchildren to school. We teach them to obey the rules, mind their own business, stay away from drama, stay out of trouble, but we never know. And even in the church, even in the church, we try to be kind and loving towards all who enter the door of the sanctuary. We try to treat everybody with love and respect and dignity when they come into our church. We try not to judge and give, they try to give everybody a fair chance. We do safety training and have safety briefings, but we never know. But there's one thing we don't know. One thing we do know. One thing we can be sure of, one thing we can count on, that is, God is our protection. Aren't you 